0: So, you are made in the image of God. What does that mean? Out of all the creatures God made, only one creature, man, is said to be made in the image of God. What does that really mean? Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we look at the Christian faith in a systematic way, and we have looked at the 100 series, the doctrine of God, 200 series of Jesus, the 300 series, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and now we are into the 400 series looking at the doctrine of man or the doctrine of humanity. And today in this podcast, we're going to be looking at the meaning of image of God and what that means for humans to be created in God's image. Now, I guess we can start with the following definition uh, of the image of God, and that is the, the fact that man is in the image of God means that man is like God in some way and represents God in some way. Let's talk about these. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that theologians share a general agreement on the meaning of the image of God because they do not, but there are a number of different views of of what Bible scholars say it means to be created in the image of God. But but a book that I've used in systematic theology courses that I've taught at the university level, one of the books is entitled Christian Theology by Millard Erickson. And he gives a very helpful summary uh, of three major views of the image of God in man that have been held throughout the history of the church. Let me mention those, I think it might be helpful for us. Number one is called the substantive view, and that identifies some particular quality of man, whether it's reason or spirituality or whatever it is, as the image of God in man, something substantive. Luther held that view. Uh, Calvin uh, held that view. The second view uh, of what it means to be made in the image of God is called the relational view. And this holds that the image of God has to do with our interpersonal relationships. God is a relational being; uh, He created us male and female, and so we're relational beings. And so, some people say, uh, Emo Bruner, Karl Barth, others have said, that's what it means to be made in the image of God. There's something relational o- about it. A third view is called the functional view. And this view holds that the image of God has to do with a function that we carry out. Uh, usually, our exercise of, of dominion over creation. God was, He gave that, that role to us. And so it, it's, it means that, that we function the same way God functions over having dominion over creation. So, in general, those are the three, uh, a summary of the three major views of the image of God in man that have been held throughout the history of the church. And I guess the best way to to go forward from there is to discover, first of all, the the meaning of the image of God, gaining a precise understanding of of the terminology, the Hebrew terminology, of course, written in the Old Testament, uh, used in the Bible to talk about this concept. So let's talk about the Hebrew terminology a moment. Whenever God says in Genesis 1, let us make man in our, quote, image, or after our likeness, the meaning is that God plans to make a creature similar to himself. And that's because the Hebrew words for both image and likeness both refer to something that is similar but not identical to the thing it represents. It's an image of something. It's similar. Uh, it can be used as something that represents something else. It's similar, but it's not exactly it. So that's the Hebrew wording that is used. So the, words, the Hebrew words translated, image and likeness, had quite clear meanings to the original readers. And these Hebrew words informed the original readers that man was like God and would represent God. But this conclusion means that much of the controversy over the meaning image of God is a search too narrow and too specific for meaning. When scripture says that God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. It simply would have meant to the original readers, let us make man to be like us and to represent us. But because image and likeness had these meanings, Scripture does not need to give a more precise explanation of what is meant by the creation of man in the image of God. In fact, it, it never really explains it to us in Genesis 1.26. It just makes the statement, man's created in the image of God, and it goes on. It never really explains to us what that means. But due to the wording of image and likeness to the original hearers, the explanation really didn't need to be there. So it means that you're like in some way and you represent in some way. So such an explanation is unnecessary not only because the terms had clear meanings, but also because no such list could do justice to the subject. The text only needs to affirm that man is like God and the rest of Scripture fills in more details to us. In fact, As we read the rest of Scripture, we realize that a full understanding of man's likeness to God would require a full understanding of who God is, and we don't have that. And so, how do you know who man is if you can't fully comprehend everything God is? Now, the more we know about God and the more we know about man, the more similarities we'll recognize And the more fully we will understand what Scripture means by the image of God. But I don't think we'll ever understand everything. Now, the understanding of what it means that man is created in the image of God is reinforced by the similarity between Genesis 1.26, where God declares His intentions to create man in His image and likeness, and then Genesis 5.3, which says this, quote, Adam had lived 130 years and he fathered a son in his own likeness and after his own image and named him Seth. Now that's interesting terminology, isn't it? Genesis 1.26, God says it about all mankind. Genesis 5.3, it says it about Adam fathering Seth. Now Seth was not identical to Adam but he was like his father in many ways, as a son is like, like his father. So the text simply means Seth was like Adam. It does not specify any specific number of ways Seth was like Adam. It would be overly restrictive for us to assert that one or another characteristic determined the way in which Seth was in Adam's image and likeness. Was it brown eyes? Was it curly hair? Uh, was it athletic prowess? Uh, was he serious? Was he quick-tempered? I mean, what, what all did that mean? So, of course, such speculation would be useless. But it is evident that every way in which Seth was like Adam would be a part of his likeness to Adam and thus part of his being in the image of his dad. And so similarly, in every way in which man is like God is a part of his being in the image and the likeness of God. Now, let's talk about the fall. Let's talk about whenever man sinned. And for the rest of the podcast, I want to talk about God's image in relation to man's fall, and then the image of God in relation to redemption, being saved, and the image of God in relation to Christ coming back where we're completely restored. So let's, let's talk about all three aspects and then we'll wrap up this podcast. First of all, the fall. God's image was distorted, but it was not lost. Now, we might wonder whether man could still be thought to be like God after he sinned. And the question is answered quite early in Genesis, when God gives Noah the authority to establish the death penalty for murder among humans just after the flood. Genesis 9-6, God says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. And then it says, For God made man in his own image. That's Genesis 9-6 after the flood. So even though human beings are sinful, there is still enough likeness to God remaining in them that to murder another person, shedding the blood, as the Old Testament talks about, is to attack the part of creation that most resembles God. And it betrays an attempt or a desire to attack God himself. Man is still in God's image even though we've sinned. So God's image was distorted, but it was not lost. Now, the New Testament gives confirmation to this whenever James 3, 9 says that people generally, not just believers, but all people are made, quote, in the likeness of God. So we know that it continues even after sin. However, since man has sinned, he is certainly not as fully like God as he was before. I mean, are you? You're not as you're not perfect, you're not holy. You're not quite as much like God as before. Our moral purity has been lost. And the sinful character does not reflect God's holiness for sure. Our intellect is corrupted by falsehood and misunderstanding and Our speech no longer glorifies God all the time. Our relationships are sometimes governed by selfishness rather than love. And you can just go on and on. Though man is still in the image of God, parts of that image have been distorted in every aspect of life. In short, Ecclesiastes 7.29 says, God made man upright but they have sought out many schemes and we certainly do. So after the fall, we are still in God's image, we're still like God, we still represent God, but the image of God is distorted and we're less fully like God than we were before we sinned. So it's important that we understand the full meaning of the image of God, not simply from observation of human beings as they currently exist, but from the biblical indications of the nature of Adam and Eve when God created them and when all that God had made, quote, was very good, Genesis one thirty one, So the true nature of man in the image of God was also seen in the earthly life of Jesus. The full measure of the excellence of our humanity will not be seen again in life on earth until Jesus returns and we've obtained all the benefits of the salvation that he earned for us. So, let's say then that at the fall, whenever we sin, God's image is distorted, but it's not lost. Now let's go secondly to redemption in Christ. What happens to the image of God once we're saved? Well, there seems to be, from biblical viewpoint, a a progressive recovering of God's image. Now, think about this with me. Nonetheless, it it is encouraging now to turn to the New Testament and see that our redemption in Christ means that we can, even in this life, grow progressively more in likeness to God again. That's interesting. Listen to Paul. Paul says, Colossians 3.10, as as Christians, we have a new nature, quote, that is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Let me say that again. Colossians 3.10, it's a key. Paul says, as Christians, we have a new nature, that, quote, is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So as we gain in true understanding of God and His Word and His world, we begin to think more and more of the thoughts God Himself thinks. As we become more like Christ, we become more like God. So in this way, we are renewed in our knowledge and we become more godlike in our thinking. This is a description of the ordinary course of the Christian life. So Paul also says, 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we are, quote, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We say that again, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Whenever we're saved, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So throughout this life, as we grow in Christian maturity, we grow in greater likeness to God. More particularly, we grow in likeness to Christ in our lives and in our character. In fact, the goal for which God has redeemed us is that we might be, quote, conformed to the image of His Son. That's Romans eight twenty eight. That's the goal, that we are to be conformed to the image of His Son, Christ, and thus be exactly like Jesus in our moral character. So let's summarize. We're made in the image of God at creation, or we were at creation, uh, and that means that that we're like God in some way and that we represent God in some way. And then whenever we fall, we, the, the fall happens, whenever we sin, the image is distorted, but it's not lost. And then whenever we become a Christian, we're saved, we progressively recover that image of God back. We are We are being renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator. So we're slowly recovering that image back. And so now let's think, one more thought before we close. What happens when Jesus returns? What happens whenever he comes back and we have a new body and a glorified body? What does that do to the image of God? Well, it completely restores it. (laughs) The image of God is completely restored at Christ's second coming. Now, the amazing promise of the New Testament is that just as we've been like Adam, subject to death and subject to sin, we shall also be like Christ, morally pure, never subject to death again. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, quote, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So the full measure of our creation in the image of God is not really seen in the life of Adam who sinned or not really seen in the life of Greg who sinned nor is it seen in our lives right now, for we're imperfect. But the New Testament emphasizes that God's purpose in creating man in His image was completely realized in the person of Jesus. He is the image of God, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. 4. Jesus is the image of God. and In Colossians 1.15, he says... He is the image, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So in Jesus, we see human likeness to God as it was intended to be, and it should cause us to rejoice that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son, Romans eight twenty nine. And it says in 1 John 3, 2, "...when He appears, we shall be like Him." Wow, well, wow, that's a lot, isn't it? I mean to be created in the image of God to be God-like, to represent God, and then to fall to sin and have that distorted, and then to be saved and have that progressively be recovered. and then at the second coming of Jesus, to have that image completely restored in fullness. Wow, that's what it means to be made in the image of God. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you. And next week we'll continue talking about humanity and we'll talk more about specific aspects of our likeness to God and moral aspects and spiritual aspects and mental and physical aspects and things like that. So we'll talk more about that in our next podcast. So see you next week. Hope you have a great week. Talk to you soon.